Hey, this is Abby Sachek. Welcome to the New Culture Church podcast. Our vision is to create the culture of Christ in Madison, one person, one place at a time. We believe this happens through being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what he did. And we hope that the teachings and the content you find here will help you do just that. We also know that these are trying times. So if you need anything at all, please reach out to us through our website. We would love to connect with you. We hope you enjoy this podcast. All right. I will invite you to find your way back to your seats. So excited for this Sunday. Don't worry, guys, I am not preaching. We do get to hear in just a minute. We'll hear from my good friend, Pastor Chris Griffith. Um, But before that, just wanted to take a second um, and just kind of share with you guys a little bit of like a pastoral word of some things that the Lord's kind of been speaking. So if you guys were here last Sunday, um, or maybe you heard about it, we just had a moment with the Lord where we felt like it was just a kind of not go as planned and to just worship and spend time in the presence of God. And it was so beautiful. And a lot of it came from this stirring of something that happened um, in Kentucky a few weeks ago. So beginning of February, February 8th, a college campus, just their normal chapel service, the presence of God fell in just such a significant way that they were like, we need to keep worshiping and keep praying. And so for about three weeks, it was nonstop like worship and prayer. And there have been all sorts of stirrings happening, not only in our country, but around the world of just tangible ways that people are experiencing God's presence. Um, What I've loved is I've heard from friends who have been there is that everybody's talking about how unique this is because we talk about this word revival and really it's these moments where like God's presence falls in a significant way. And in the past, when you look at revivals, they're all so unique. And this one, it was started by young people and it was so specific for that generation of the testimonies of people being healed from anxiety and depression and these things that a younger generation, Gen Z, is struggling with and working through and has marked them as a culture. God is healing them of that. And as we've kind of been praying and saying, God, what is our invitation as a church of recognizing that although he is, yes, the same God, that there's unique ways that he wants us to respond and that he wants to move in our midst and in our city. Um, And so Last week in communities, we read through together Acts chapter two, which is the story of the day of Pentecost and really the birth of the church. And there's some common themes there as, as we continue to meditate on that. And so I encourage you that if you weren't there at communities um, or you aren't familiar with the story, go home after this, read Acts chapter two. But this is maybe one of those like first big revivals you see in scripture, where as the people were coming to pray, they showed up to pray as a part of the festival that they were celebrating that was a part of their rhythms as a culture at that time. And when they showed up, then the presence of God fell in such a significant way and it empowered them. The Holy Spirit empowered them then to go and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what then gave birth to the church. The church was planted from that. And and then what did they do? They continued to gather together to pray to experience the presence of God, to be empowered to go and plant more churches and do more things for God. And so as we kind of have been praying about what is that invitation for us, I just wanted to share that when we have these moments of experiencing the presence of God, like why, why do we even want that? And then what do we do with that? Well, if we look back at scripture in Acts chapter two, we see these four things of prayer, that they had a rhythm of prayer in their life. And as they were committed to that rhythm of praying and talking to God and seeking God, that's when the presence continued to come and empower them to go and to then proclaim Jesus Christ. It was also that they could be empowered to proclaim Jesus. And when I look around this room and I think of all the places that we all get to go this week even, Think of all the different people that we're all gonna encounter. We might look around and say, there's only a few of us, but think of all the people that we're gonna encounter this week. What does it look like for us to show up on Sundays when we come to pray and seek the presence of God, to really seek it in a way of saying, God, I need you to come and empower me so that I can then go and proclaim your good news, your love to the people around me. And what does it look like for us to continue then to plant more revivals and more, more just moves of God all across this city? And so that's really what I feel like the Lord is kind of inviting us into is to say, okay, let's keep praying, right? And we've been talking about and we're continuing our series through the rule of life. Like, let's keep looking at where in my life am I every day seeking God? Where am I every day proclaiming his good news? 
and continuing this move of revival. And so just wanted to share that with you um, and kind of that invitation to just let's continue to pray. Let's continue to press into his presence, proclaim that good news and just see what God will do. Um, But with that, will you join me in welcoming um, my good friend from Chicago, Chris Griffith. What's up, new culture? I don't know if I can raise this. I'm a lot taller than Abby, so... You know, she's a shorty. Uh, anyways, I don't know, maybe it's just I'm overly tall, whatever. Um, so good to be with you, New Culture. Uh, man, I'm so pumped to be here and uh, with my beautiful wife. And uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a good day being in Wisconsin. It's cold up here, y'all. Y'all uh, still got snow on the ground. It's uh, a bit much for this southern boy. So um, yes, Lord, pray for me. Um, yeah, coincidentally tonight, we're going to open up the word and we're going to just jump right into scripture. And coincidentally, I'm going to jump into Acts chapter 2. And we're going to read a little bit on what we just talked about. And um, man, this is a powerful passage of scripture. And um, tonight I want to give it maybe a unique angle that you haven't maybe heard before. Um, But I want to talk a little bit tonight about um, what it looks like uh, to have uh, community and what it looks like to be a part of uh, real authentic community. So we're going to start Acts 2, verse 42. And it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to breaking bread and to prayers. And all came upon every soul, and wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds um, to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in the homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day of those who were being saved. So tonight, for just a little bit, I want to talk to you from this thought. In a time of self-centeredness, we choose the path of sacrificial community. Let me say that one more time. In a time of self-centeredness, we choose the path of sacrificial community. Let me pray for us tonight. Dear God, we thank you uh, so much uh, for all that you are, and we thank you for your word, the words that you've given us to live by. God, that you have given us these words uh, as instruction, God, to to help us grow, to help us uh, have protection, to help us have a thriving life. And so tonight, Lord, we would look to your scripture, lean to your scripture, and lean to your words. And uh, Lord, again, uh, we pray for this frigid place, which is called Wisconsin, because it's not as good as Chicago. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I'm just teasing. You know, I I love my Chicago, and I I got a soft spot in my heart for Madison, I will say. But all the rest of Wisconsin, uh, they're on their own. They are on their own. Well, we're talking about community tonight, and uh, man, just, again, I love New Culture. I love your pastor. Abby is a great friend of mine. When I think about community, uh, I think about the community that I've been able to have with your pastor, and man, like, not only does she uh, love this stuff that she talks about with rule of life and all this stuff, but she lives it out, and uh, we have a great friendship and great relationship, and um, you you know, she, I have a sister, but she's like my second sister, and um, she's just an amazing person. And, uh, you know, I, I've been, I know you guys have been in this rule of life uh, series. Has it been good for anybody? Anybody getting anything out of this? Come on, you can make some noise in church. It's okay to say something in church. And, um, man, last week, Pastor Abby brought a great word, and I was, I was listening and ch- tuning in, and I was, I was leaning in with you guys. And I know you had a vision Sunday a couple weeks ago, and and I just noticed at the beginning of the message last week, uh, I noticed at the beginning of the message last week that there was um, some things that were said, and I just thought I, I needed to make a quick correction really quick. Um, so I know you guys up here in Wisconsin have your thing. There's this thing that you guys have, but I want to show you the real quick trip. Go ahead and put that on the screen. This is the real QT. Whatever 
quick trip y'all got up here, it's not the real thing. Um, it's far inferior to the real quick trip that is from my homeland down south. So I just wanted to throw that out there for you guys. I'm sorry. I just wanted to, you know, I love you as a friend, so I felt like I needed to to correct that uh, that wrong that happened last week. <laughs> It got the QT quick. Okay, has anybody ever heard of this quick trip? The real one? Okay, come on. Now, for those of you who have not heard about this quick trip, um, you know, one of my favorite things in the world, when I think about how awesome God is and all his amazing creations, one of my favorite creations God ever made was the slushy. Come on, somebody. A good old slushy. Who likes a slushy? Okay, so if you like slushies, you will like quick trip because when you walk in, they have about 30 different flavors of slushy. Anything you can think of. They got strawberry, blueberry, blackberry, raspberry, razzmatazz, whatever you can think of, they pretty much have it. Um, and so they even have like coffee slushies. It's a whole thing. QT is awesome. Anyways, I don't know about this quick trip. I refuse to go because it's whack. That's just, that was just, that was just extra. I, uh, I just, you know, had to throw that in there. Anyways, so community, right? <laughs> We're talking about community. Now, define what is community. Community is a, is a word that refers to a group of people who share a common geography, interest, identity, uh, and who interact with and support one another. A community can be defined by physical proximity, such as a neighborhood or town, or by a shared characteristic, such as profession, hobby, culture, or belief system. Now, in our culture today, um, it's very easy to talk about community and miss the point of what community is. Um, community can be something that is very shallow, if not truly leaned into uh, with the right adjective at the beginning of that word. Uh, community can be, uh, you know, as simple as the people that are surrounding you, people you're in proximity with, but also uh, it says here in the definition that it could be people um, that you have a shared identity. Now, those of us, like the scripture says, for if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. So if any person identifies with Christ, we automatically have a sort of new community or a new culture, if you will. And so um, as I was thinking about community and how that fits into the framework of what it looks like uh, to create the new culture of Christ here in Madison, what does that look like? What does it look like to be a counterculture? cultural group of people in a time in our world where our world is full of self-centeredness. Now let's think about it and let's just be honest for a second. In our world today, a lot of self-centeredness exists. Our world exists in a way where we always are thinking about what about me? What am I doing? What's my thing? How am I going to take care of myself? And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I do believe that there is something healthy about being a healthy human and, and taking care of your needs. But when it comes to living life and it comes to living in a new kind of kingdom, the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God is not is so much bigger than what's happening on the inside of you. The kingdom of God is vast. It's you plus all the other people that God has put in proximity with you. And so I believe that this act of community is so, so important. Now, before we dive any further and we get deeper into what it looks like to have sacrificial community, I just would love to share a word. You know, I know that uh, life is hectic and life is crazy, and um, there's a lot of hard things that we experience in life. And as you're hearing the words that I'm saying today, I'm going to be talking about community and what it looks like to sacrifice. But I realize that a lot of us have come into this room in different perspectives. You know, maybe you've uh, been in a relationship, a friendship, in a church community, uh, at a job, and maybe you've had um, some hard uh, times. Maybe you've had some bad interactions. Maybe you've had some uh, heartbreak. Maybe you've had some people break your trust. And I know it can be very, very hard to, to trust again, to, to believe again, to like really take this to heart, what I'm saying tonight. But I believe that the local church and that this thing called sacrificial community is God's plan A for the world. 
Like, God doesn't have a secondary plan like, you know, oh, like, uh, you know, I can just do another thing. No, God has ordained the local church to be the hope of the world. And it's, he's ordained the local church to be a countercultural type of community where people, no matter their background, no matter who they are, no matter their skin color, no matter what they believe, not, all of those things, God has ordained this place for people far and wide to come together under the name of Jesus. And so that's the great thing about the community of, uh, of that Jesus is wanting to establish in the world. So let's take a look really quick. So I, I mentioned uh, talking about sacrificial community, but there is another form of community. And I'd like to label it like this, uh, circumstantial community. Now, what do I mean by circumstantial community? Circumstantial community would be community based upon are the circumstances correct? Does this work out in my favor? Do I have community with a person or a group of people if they don't annoy me or if they do the things that I want them to do? Sacrificial community is something that is far greater than just something based on circumstances. Sacrificial community says that I am not only choosing to give myself to something, but I'm choosing to stick with it for the long haul regardless of the circumstances. We live in a culture today where people uh, end relationships, where people cut people off just over the smallest thing. You know, I was doing some research as I was preparing for this, and um, according to a study that four in 10 adults during the year 2020, so the pandemic year, right? We had COVID, we had uh, things happening, we had George Floyd, there was all these things happening in the media, and we were locked down, and all the people were fighting on Facebook, moms and grandmoms, I mean, my, you know, parents, 60 years old, and, and aunts and uncles, people are fighting on Facebook, it's crazy, like all this stuff is happening. And it said four in 10 adults actually broke relationship during the pandemic. And I begin to think about that, what it looks like to be in sacrificial community. And I begin to think that when we are in truly sacrificial community, we don't just break relationship when something gets hard. Sacrificial community is something that is giving oneself regardless of the circumstances. And so um, as I uh, begin, yeah, like I said, as I was studying and going through this, um, I was just thinking about, man, what a crazy time we live in. Um, I was doing the research for this, and I was trying to pull the numbers for all these uh, stats that I was looking up. And so uh, anybody ever use chat GPT? I just heard of this thing for the first time. So I was like, man, I want to test this thing out. Does this thing really work? And so uh, I did the study and I asked, you know, I asked Chat GPT, how many people in our current culture feel isolated, disconnected, feel like they're alone, feel like they're going through life on their own? And it was crazy, the response that it gave me. That thing is crazy, by the way, just, just a little heads up on that, but there's a study done by Cigna in 2020. It said 61% of adults today feel lonely or disconnected and don't have relationships and sacrificial community to give themselves to. What would it look like if the local church could be a place where this happens? What could be accomplished in the name of Jesus if the church was a place where we truly lived out the things that we believed? What would it look like if we uh, didn't just cut ties with people or groups of people based upon if they got on our nerves or not, or if they said something we didn't like or not? And so today, I just want to talk about just the cultural moment and, and kind of what our culture would say about community. There's three things that I would love to talk through as it refers to our current cultural moment. So there's three kind of marks of our age that we sort of live in in these days. Number one, we live in this age of individuality. The age of individuality. We have determined that the way for us to get ahead in life is to go alone. 
Now, we know that to be a fallacy because um, of what it says right here in Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, verse 35. It says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospel's sake will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? There's a beautiful uh, African proverb, and it just says this. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Listen, we were made to be together. That when we choose to put people in our lives and, and let people in and, and, and give ourselves to that sacrificial community, we can actually accomplish more together than we could ever do alone. That's why the local church is so powerful, is that at the end of the day, it's more than just this local body. That There is a corporate capital C church that on every street corner in America, all over this world, there are churches and Christians and believers gathering under the name of Jesus, not on their own, not to lift up, you know, the name of their church, but to lift up the name of Jesus. And I think about what's happening in Asbury, and I think about a group of students coming together, not caring about who's getting the credit or who's getting famous or notoriety, but they're just thinking about who name they're lifting up, and that is the name of Jesus. As the church, if we want to go far and we want to do more and accomplish more, we have to be together. Inevitably, if we're driven by our individuality or what can happen, we'll get somewhere, but it'll be alone. And then the way that Jesus outlined it here in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And there were signs and wonders being done through the apostles. Man, when I read this story of the, the church growing daily and all these cool things happen, signs and wonders and miracles, the things and the common theme that comes across is that there was a unity there, that people were together. Everyone was on the same page. They're all together. And they didn't care about people, you know, one person over another person getting their way or being the center of attention. The only thing they cared about being the center was the message of Jesus going forward. And that's how incredible things happen in their midst. The second age that we live in is we live in the age of the instant. Come on, the fast food generation. We live in the age of the instant. Where we think instant is bigger, better, and faster. To quote the great uh, philosopher J.G. Wentworth, it's my money and I need it now. All right, nobody's seen that commercial. All right, cool. Um, so, <laughs> oh gosh, that's great. Yeah, I'm old. I was, I was uh, preparing this message and, um, and I was talking with my wife in the car, and I was like, you know, because um, I wanted to make the point that, like, you know, we live in this moment where we're, like, literally the most connected generation of all history, right? We have cell phones, we have laptops, we have tablets, we can connect with somebody. I can, if I want to get a hold of Gavin, I can text him, I can Snapchat him, I can be real him, I can Instagram him, I can FaceTime him, I can, uh, you know, whatever. There's all sort of things. Like we're the most connected generation, but yet we see that statistic where it says that 61% of people feel alone or isolated. And I was going to make the point, I was like, man, do you guys remember life before cell phones? And then I was like, wait, you don't. So that's not really going to land. And then I was like, what about if I said smartphones? Because, you know, smartphones is kind of a newer thing. And then she's like, nah, I, I still think they all were born with iPhones. So that point does not apply. But anyways, we're going to just keep on rolling. But like I said, we live in the age of the instant. But when I believe when it comes to practicing the way of Jesus, the age of the instant is actually completely opposite of Jesus's intention for us when it comes to community. 
Here's a great verse for us. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. It says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them all. And then 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious in itself. Sufficient for the day has its own trouble. That when we live in this age of the instant, when we live in a posture of instant, it's impossible to accomplish sacrificial community. It's impossible when we're always in a hurry and we're always trying to speed through and when somebody is really dealing with something and they need to talk to somebody, but you're just too busy or you got the next thing to rush on to. If we're going to have an experienced sacrificial community, we're going to have to uh, kind of uh, turn away from this age of instant and lean into the rhythm of what it looks like to practice the way of Jesus. I want to know an interesting factoid about the Bible. Um, so in the ministry of Jesus, right, uh, you see Jesus all throughout the Gospels, all throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's, he's doing miracles. He's doing all these things. Like he's with his crew of guys, and they're doing all these things. They're healing people. They're helping people. Uh, they're doing all these amazing things. In fact, in the Bible, uh, in Isaiah and in Old Testament times, there's many prophecies that Jesus uh, lived out in real life. And every prophecy that was ever prophesied about the Savior, the Messiah, Jesus accomplished from the Old Testament. But one of the interesting factoids uh, that I just thought was like mind-blowing about Jesus is that Jesus never ran. Jesus never ran. And I was thinking about that. I was like, wait, that's like kind of mind-blowing. And I was like, I'm sure there's a scripture in there where Jesus was in a rush and he was running. No, Jesus never ran. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because Jesus was so grounded and rooted in the identity that he was as a son of God that he knew his father and he knew his position in the kingdom of God. And so he knew that he didn't have to live in the age of the instant because he knew that everything would be accomplished at the time that God ordained it to happen. What would that look like for you and I's life? I know we have dreams and visions and things we want to do, things we want to accomplish, but what would it look like if we were to lean into that and lean away from the age of the instant? When we think about the dreams that God's put on our heart, what would it look like to actually release that back to God and trust God with that? God, in your perfect timing, I know it will happen. But even if it doesn't, God, it is well with my soul. God, I choose to trust in your plan for my life, not my own. That this is how we practice the way of Jesus, by rejecting the age of the instant, by rejecting this age of individuality. And then lastly, the age of self-sufficiency. Now, this is a lie that we don't need anything other than ourselves to care and provide for all of our needs. Now, in our 2023 society, we have a lot of smart people. I know there's a lot of smart people in the room. Uh, many of you probably got uh, bachelor's degrees and master's degrees, and some of you maybe even working on your doctorate. Like, I got some smart people in the room. I know you got some smart people out here in this world. But at the end of the day, us as human beings, like, we are not able to measure up to the sufficiency of all that God is. And here's the, just the truth, is the truth is, is that we are not self-sufficient on our own, that we all desperately, inherently have a need for Jesus. Jesus is the completeness of our lives. Scripture says that in our weakness, God's strength is made perfect. That in fact, that as we admit to ourselves and those around us that we are in desperate need of Jesus, that's actually the moment where he comes in and fills the gap of all that we're missing. And like I said, I know that some are skilled and talented here in this room, but even as smart as we may be, we may all fall short of the surpassing wisdom and glory that is Jesus, that is God.
you know, uh, this past year, uh, sorry, back during 2020, obviously it was a hard year for a lot. And so, um, you know, I, I started uh, counseling and I started to see a counselor uh, through that time. And it was, it was a tough time. I'll be honest, man. I, I'm a pastor, but I really struggled through the pandemic. Um, I'm a people person. And so being locked away in my house in Chicago was hard for me. I missed like being out and doing activities, and especially during the summer. But I started working with a counselor and um, I felt super disconnected, felt super disenfranchised. And um, there was this moment uh, where, you know, me and my wife were in the process of planting a church and things are going great. But, um, you know, things were also like hard and things we were struggling and I'm trying to work on our relationship and friendships and all the many things that we're dealing with. And one of the hardest things for me was just this idea of, you know, the dreams that God had put in my heart, like, you know, when would they happen? When would they come to pass? When would they be a thing? And I remember telling my counselor uh, over the uh, um, telehealth appointment on Zoom. Anybody hate Zoom? I don't even want to get on it anymore. And I remember telling my counselor, um, you know, like, you know, I'm following God and, you know, I'm doing all this stuff, but I'm just like really frustrated, you know? I didn't get in this. And I remember saying this phrase and it really shook me after I said it. And then hearing it say it, him say it back was like a real wake up call for me. But I said out loud, I said, you know, I didn't get into this following God thing to lose. I didn't get into this following God thing just to like lose. And I remember saying that and instantly just, I don't know if it was I, whatever, just my, my brain or like the spirit of God just like speaking to me in that moment. But I just remember like thinking like, that's, that's not the right attitude. That's not the right perspective. And when I think about kind of the, 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 the cause of this, you know, self-centeredness that we experience in our world. When I think about that, I think that that's the, the posture a lot of times is I want to take care of me and I want to win. I want to do the things that I need to do to make it happen for me. But the question that I would love to pose, and it's not the question that I came up with originally, but it's actually what my counselor said back to me. And he said, Chris, he said, what if it's not about winning? What if life is not about winning? I know in America, that really wrecks some of our like theology, right? But what if it's not about winning? And then he followed up with the response, Chris, when will Jesus be enough? And I go back to that Matthew 633 verse, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What is the scripture telling us? The scripture is telling us is that when we commit ourselves to the way of Jesus, this, this rule of life thing that we've been talking about, when we commit ourselves to the kingdom of God, that God creates in us a new heart, a new perspective, and gives us a new way to live, a new culture, right? God gives us these things, and the things that we worry about, um, the things that are unequal or incompatible with the kingdom of God begin to fade to the background, and the things that we need in our life to thrive and to be the kind of people God wants us to be come to pass. And so this is what it looks like. When, it ta when we're talking about community, when we're talking about building a new culture, when we're talking about being people of God, this is what it looks like to say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. So as I wrap here, I just have three things. When we look at what does it look like to practice the way of Jesus in a practical way when it comes to sacrificial community? I got three ways for us. This is not an exhaustive list, but these are the three that it really spoke to me. Number one, the way of Jesus is missional. What does this look like? We're embracing that we're in uh, involvement with the mission of God and that it isn't optional or relegated to just some of those in ministry leadership, but central to the way that we live our lives. 
The mission of Jesus is not just for those who call themselves pastors or leaders. The mission of Jesus is for all of those who find themselves in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is Christ God who was reconciling us to the world and to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, but entrusting us to the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. What is the scripture saying? That is saying that all people who find themselves or call themselves believers find themselves in Christ, that now we have the ministry of reconciliation. What does this look like practically? Now that we have been saved, it is our job to help save others around us. I like to say it like this. um, uh, What's my taco place again? All right, so I came here last time and I went to this taco place, right? I guess it wasn't that good, but I, t- I went to this taco place, Tex Tubbs, and I was like, man, this place is fire, okay? I don't know about you, but when you go to a good restaurant or a good taco a spot or a good coffee spot, like, what do you do? How do you respond to that? How do you respond? You tell people about it. When I think about the goodness of God and how God has saved me and how God has rescued me from dark places, how God has set me on a rock, how God has set me apart, when I think about what it means to be in Christ, now I have the opportunity and the obligation to tell people about the goodness of God, that I once was lost, but now I'm found that I was uh, a sinner, but now I've been saved by grace and that this same grace is available through you through faith in his perfect gift of Jesus. This gift is for everyone. But our job and our way we practice Jesus is by living a missional life. So like I said, if, if, if God has been good, you just gotta tell somebody. Number two is the way of Jesus is sacrificial. The way of Jesus is uh, just as much vertical as it is horizontal. Now, I'm not uh, uh, underemphasizing reading your Bible, but if all you do is read your Bible and you don't actually live it, you've actually missed the point of what it means following Jesus. I believe in rule of life. I believe in Sabbath. I believe in fasting. I believe in prayer. I believe in all the spiritual disciplines that we may do. But if all we do is the spiritual disciplines and lock ourselves in a closet, we will miss out on the point of the gospel. The gospel is best lived out as well as practiced on an individual basis. When we commit ourselves to community, what this looks like is to be a light in all of the spaces that we may find ourselves in. Scripture tells us that Jesus did not come to be served, but he came to serve. If you want to be like Jesus, then you have to lean into the way of sacrificial community. And then last but not least, the way of Jesus is communal. Now, we read that Acts 2 scripture a couple of times, but I'm going to key in on a couple of verses. I'm going to jump into verse 45. Excuse me, verse 44. And it said, all who believe were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possession and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all who had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in homes, they received food with glad, and in another translation, it says sincere hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And then the Lord added to their number daily. The way of Jesus is communal. We're choosing to live life together. Now, I'm just going to be honest. I've been at some churches before where it's like, You come in and some of the people are like, oh, well, we got our little clique over here and like you can't really, you can't really roll with us. Like we've been, you know, rolling deep for all these years and I've been in some other places, but the church should be the place in the world where people 
you don't have to put on a pretense to belong. That you can come into this thing and you can be uh, equally seen and loved and known and be people who are on mission together and be people who have uh, same mind, same heart, one accord, and that people who would be willing to give the shirt off their back to a new person coming in. That's what it looks like to be sacrificial community. Not just this thing where it's like, oh, we have this cool thing you should come to, but make sure you don't say anything that, you know, some of the others may not like or we're going to excommunicate you or make sure you don't, uh, you know, wear those kind of clothes here or make sure you don't uh, vote for that person or make sure you don't, uh, you know, listen to this music or watch that TV show. Like, that is not true community. That's conformity. And that is not a part, that is anti-gospel. Gospel says that we, no matter where we are, no matter where we come from, we can all be one and united under Jesus. And so as I kind of wrap up, I just want to ask the question and pose the question, what does it look like in your and I's life to live and lean into sacrificial community? Maybe for you, it's like joining a community, being a part of a community group for the first time. Maybe you're like, I like coming to church on Sunday, but I don't really like, you know, doing the like small group thing and I got to like make extra time and do all this stuff. Maybe for you, the step is to join a community, to be a part of a group and say, you know what, for the next, I don't know how long you do it, 12 weeks, I'm just going to show up and I'm going to be a part of this community every week. And I'm going to meet someone new, and I'm going to make a new friend, and I'm going to share with my life. I'm going to be open with my heart, and I'm going to, uh, you know, trust again. Maybe I've been hurt in the past by other relationships, but I'm going to trust again, and I'm going to love again, and I'm going to just commit to this thing. Maybe for some of us, it's, it's rejecting the lie of, of the age that we live in, the age of the self-sufficiency, or the age of the individuality, or the age of... Um, Sorry, I missed the last one. The age of the instant. Thank you. Maybe it's rejecting some of that. Maybe it's for you. You're going to serve for the first time. Maybe you're going to give your time. Maybe you're going to stop being in a hurry, rushing out right after church. And maybe you're going to listen to that person's story that's going through a hard time. I don't know. Maybe it's even simply leaning into this reality. That at the end of the day, Like scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God. Maybe I'm just going to change the posture of my heart towards this thing called God and church. And I'm going to seek first Jesus. Because at the end of the day, I got, do I got any math people in, in here? At the end of the day, the equation is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Everything you need, every dream, everything on your heart, everything that you're trying to accomplish, you're trying so hard to make happen, won't necessarily happen outside of the realm of us leaning into that Jesus is the only thing that we need. And the way of Jesus is the way of living a sacrificial life. Why? Because that's the life he lived for us. He gave it all just so you and I could know him, just so we can be in relationship and know the Father's love for us. This is the gospel. The gospel is all about sacrifice. When I say yes to Jesus, I'm saying yes to Jesus, no to self. I'm saying yes to Jesus, no to my way. I'm saying yes to God's way. Why would we do this? He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He made you and I. And at the end of the day, I think the one who made the game, the one who made the pieces, knows how to operate the equipment. And so I would just boldly declare this today in this room as as we close, is that maybe your next step is saying yes to Jesus. And no to your flesh. As I close, I just invite us all to stand in this place. And um, 
Man, I hope, uh, if anything, that the Lord would challenge us on what really truly is the most highest priority in life. And that is seeking the kingdom of God. That is putting him first. That is rejecting our flesh to pursue after his way. And so we sung this song earlier, but I just think it leans to the posture that is important to those who are trying to practice the way of Jesus. Is the posture is just simply this, is that God, I can't do this thing called life on my own. I need people, but most importantly, I need you. I think this is a bold declaration to make today to ourselves, to deny our flesh, to deny our uh, self-centeredness in this moment and to choose the path of sacrificial living. So I just love if we sing a little bit of that. Oh God, I need you. Listen to that. tonight um, as we just kind of wrap this thought. What does it look like to lean into the kingdom of God and your righteousness? What does it look like to practice the way of Jesus? Well, first and foremost, God, it looks like sacrifice. It looks like surrendering our hearts and wills to your way, to your will. God, your ways are better than our ways. Your ways are better than ours. Your thoughts are better than ours. 
And so Jesus, in a moment, in a time that we, we see what's around us, we see the age of individuality and the age of the instant, we see the, the way that we interact with life, that we have so many things we wish to accomplish and dreams we want to come to pass. But God, none of those things would be have meaning without you. And so God, we, we reject those things. We want you, God. And we see that as we seek after you, as we put you first, God, all of the things that we need in our life are added to us, not by our might, not by our power, but by the Spirit of God. Lord, we say yes to your will. We say yes to your way. Lord, we say yes to slowing down. We say yes to community, even when it's sacrificial, even when it's hard, even when people are annoying, even people get on our nerves, even when it takes time, even when we've been hurt in the past. We say yes, because this is your plan A. So Lord, we pray all these things to you. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said, amen and amen. Come on, can we give God praise tonight? Come on, he's good. Can you guys just give it up for Chris and just thank him so much for sharing that such timely word, just so incredible. And yeah, we didn't plan that. We didn't plan that at all. So that was good. That's such a good word. Thank you so much for coming and giving this time. We appreciate you guys. Um, so wanted to just give a cute few just quick reminders that if you haven't yet, when we're talking about this rule of life, the set of practices of spiritual disciplines, um, rhythms, we have a rule of life workbook available for you. Also, if you search on our New Culture Church podcast, um, rule of life, we have a, some stuff that'll like help explain that better um, for you. So you guys can grab that on your way out the door as well as um, tomorrow we're starting a reading plan through the gospel of Mark leading up till Easter. Uh, and it's gonna be kind of in partnership with a podcast that I've been doing walking through scripture. So if you guys would are looking for ways to spend time in scripture, join us tomorrow morning. It's starting, it's called the Let's Remember This Podcast and we're gonna be going through the Gospel of Mark and there's a reading plan. So you guys can scan that QR code. Um, it has just kind of a reading plan for you as well as some like journal prompts to follow along. So if you're looking for ways to just get in scripture, you can listen to the podcast and you can also follow along there. So, all right, we love you guys. Have a great Sunday. If we'll see you Tuesday night or next.